0: What is sin? Answer, sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. I'll read now from 1 John 3, 1-10. Hear now the reading of most, God's most holy word. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. This is now the reading of God's most holy word. May he add his blessing to the preaching of it this afternoon. I should remind you of what the last question and answer said in our catechism, for this one that we are considering today builds upon the last one. Question 16 asked, Did our first parents continue in the estate wherein they were created? Answer, Our first parents, being left to the freedom of their own will, fell from the estate wherein they were created by sinning against God. We discussed the meaning of this last Sunday, but here I want you to remember that our first parents fell from their state of innocence by sinning against God. Now our catechism asks, what is sin? And by the way, this is one reason a catechism like this is such a useful tool for Christian discipleship. I just reminded you before the baptism that the mission of the church is to go and to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them and to teach them all that Christ has commanded. And I'm saying that a catechism like this one is a very useful tool In discipleship, in teaching people to follow Christ in the whole of life, not only is the teaching of Holy Scripture summarized for us in this document, it is done so in an orderly way so that we might understand the Christian faith. Some of you who were raised in traditions where there were no catechisms used or anything like it probably have thought to yourself, I wish I had this when I was young. We learn the Christian faith, uh, those of us who grew up in traditions like that. Yes, but things were kind of put together haphazardly. At least that was my experience. You'd pick up a little here and a little there, and over time you'd sort of put it together. A catechism like this one helps us to, to understand the Christian faith rather quickly and in an orderly fashion. I'm thankful for it. The most foundational truths are laid down first, and then they are built upon. And as you can see, important terms are defined along the way. There is a trend within the modern church to move away from religious language, you know, to move away from uh, theological terminology. Our catechism takes a different approach instead of moving away from theological and biblical terminology. That terminology is simply taught and it is helpful to learn these terms. Today we are focusing on sin. Sin is one of those very important terms. You cannot understand the gospel of Jesus Christ without understanding what sin is. Why did Jesus come to live and die and to rise again? Why do the scriptures tell us that we must trust in Him to be saved? What are we to be saved from? My point is this, the story of scripture and the Christian faith do not make sense without this concept of sin and its consequences. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, fell from the state of innocence and into a state of corruption, guilt, and depravity by sinning against God. All who are born into this world after them are born into the same condition. We are born corrupt, depraved, and guilty before God because Adam was our representative, as we will soon learn with the help of our catechism. In other words, we are born into a state or condition of sin. And all who are born into this world in this state of sin, do they themselves sin. Uh, Christ was, Adam's, uh, was not from Adam's seed, remember. He was born into this world, yet without sin, being virgin-born. But with the exception of Christ, everyone else who is born into this world is born into a state of sin and does, in fact, sin themselves. And sin, as we will soon learn, with the help of our catechism, Has devastating and eternal consequences. I'll refrain from from saying more about all of that because we're going to come to this in Catechism questions 18 through 22. Each of these questions and answers will help us to learn more about sin and its effects. But we must begin here with the most basic question what is sin? Again, the answer sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. The first thing that I want you to understand about sin is that to sin is to miss a mark and God's law is the mark. To sin is to miss a mark and God's law is the mark. Here I am using archery terms to describe what sin is. I wonder if you could picture an archer with a bow and arrow in their hands. In a tournament, what will the archer try to do except hit a mark? We might call the mark a bullseye. And when an archer misses that mark, when they err to the left or to the right, or up or down, we say that the archer has sinned. They have sinned, meaning they have missed the mark. That is what the term means. To sin is to miss the mark. But we're not talking about archery here. We're talking about hitting the mark of God's moral standard for us. And what is God's standard? What is the bullseye? If you will. What is the mark that God has called us to hit? The answer that our catechism gives is the right one. The mark is God's law. The mark is God's law. If I were to speak in in a more technical way, I would say that the mark is God's law, and that includes both the moral law, which was written on man's heart at creation, and any positive laws that God chooses to add to it. The command that God gave to Adam. To not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is an example of a positive law. God added that law to the moral law which was written on his heart when God created him, when he entered into a covenant of works with him. So you see that Adam was obligated to keep God's moral law from the heart, and he was to do this by abstaining from the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he was to eventually, having passed the test, to eat of another. So what, again, I ask you is the standard. What is the mark that we are to hit? The mark, or the bullseye, is God's law, both the moral law and any positive laws that God has added to it. That is the standard that we are to live up to. But that is not all our catechism says. It does not only say that sin is any want of conformity unto or violation of God's law. It says more, I think the word all, uh, or any, is is actually uh, very important. Um, Some men and women might fool themselves by thinking that only the big sins are a problem. And yes, it is true that there are bigger sins and smaller sins. That is true. But both big and small sins are still to be considered sin. So sin is any want of conformity unto or violation of of God's law. And then uh, these Phrases uh, that I have just rattled off. Uh, first of all, the phrase want of conformity unto God's law. Uh, want means lack, so lack of conformity, you may say. These phrases help us to understand that God's law requires us to do certain things. Some laws, as you know, are stated positively. For example, honor your father and mother and keep the Sabbath day. These are Laws that are stated in a positive way. These are laws telling us what it is that we are to do. Um, The negative side, that is to say, what ought not to be done is implied by them. And some commandments are stated negatively. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. These are examples of these negative statements of law. Uh, When commandments are stated positively, the negative things that should not be done are implied. And the reverse is also true. When commandments are stated negatively, the positive side is implied. The point is this. God's law requires us to do things, doesn't it? God's law, both the positive and negative statements, require us to do certain things. Here is what God wants us to do with our life. Um, God's law also tells us not to do certain things. Here is what we are to not do in thought, word and deed. And our catechism helps us to see that sin is any Lack of conformity to the law of God, meaning when we fail to do that which God has told us to do, we sin. And also sin is any transgression of the law of God, meaning when God's law tells us not to do something and we do that thing, when we transgress what God has said do not do, then we also sin. So sin takes these two forms. Uh, We call these uh, two forms uh, sins of, of omission and sins of commission. I think these are very very helpful concepts to think about. We do not only sin when we do that which God says, do not do it. That's the kind of sin that most people think about. Wouldn't you agree with me? When God says, do not steal, um, we understand that by stealing, we, we sin. Well, well, that is a particular kind of sin. That, that is a sin of commission. It's a sin that we commit But God's law also requires us to do certain things. You know, the whole of the second table of God's law is to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you see your neighbor in need, and you sit idly by, and you do not give them what they need, though it is in your power to do so, you also sin against God's law then. Even if you just sit there and do nothing at all, you see. You fold your hands, you sit in the chair, you see that your neighbor needs help, it's in your power to help him, you sit idly by... That, too, is a violation of God's law. It is a sin of omission. You should do it, but you have omitted from doing it. You have sat idly by when you should have taken action, you see. We need to be mindful of this kind of sin, too, uh, brothers and sisters. We sin in both of these ways. And I hope you can see why it is important for us to have a proper understanding of what sin is. Not only will we, will we be unable to properly understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, and indeed the whole story of Scripture and the Christian faith without a proper understanding of sin, a deficient understanding of sin will lead to many other problems too. First of all, it may lead to a very superficial understanding of God's law. And we've been working on God's law lately, haven't we, in our study of the Ten Commandments. We need to understand God's law deeply, deeply. Not only what it says and what it means on the surface reading, but what it requires and forbids and even what it means to keep this law from the heart. That's what we should be concerned with. Um, also, we will find that a, an improper understanding of sin may lead some people into, th- into thinking that they're okay before God. No, sin, uh, sin is, is everywhere present in the world and, and we sin in many ways. A proper understanding of God's law helps us with that as well. Also, a proper understanding of God's law and what sin is will help us to see what God actually desires from us. Brothers and sisters, we need to do what God has commanded and refrain from what God has forbidden if we hope to live a life that is holy before Him. Above all, we need to understand that we need a Savior, Christ Jesus the Lord, who kept God's law perfectly, both in an active way and also in a passive way. He did what God called him to do in every respect, and he refrained from doing that which God had forbidden in every respect so that he could be our Savior. Thanks be to God. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Our Father in Heaven, we see from the Holy Scriptures that we are sinners. We were born in sin because of Adam's sin. This was our condition from birth. And we ourselves have committed many sins by failing to conform to your law and by violating your law also in thought, word, and deed. By nature we are sinners. By nature we are guilty before you. We thank you that you have provided a Savior for us. And being found in Christ, I pray that you would help us to turn from all sin and to walk in a way that is holy. Help us not to be lazy in this regard, but to identify the sins that are present within us. I pray that John's gospel that was read earlier, 1 John, rather the epistle from John, I pray that it would shake us up a bit. Uh, For here we see that those who say they know and love Christ but go on in unrepentant sin, that they are liars and that there is no truth in them. Uh, So God, may we not only say that we know and love Christ, but may we turn from sin wherever it is present in our lives and thus show that we know him truly. God help us in this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.